0: Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, and Paul Dottino all with you today. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Give us a call. We'll get you on. We'll talk some Giants football. You can also send in your questions on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. Or if you despise social media, which I completely sympathize with you, you can go to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions and submit your questions. That way you guys have done a great job submitting those questions. We will continue to answer them as we continue along here in the Giants offseason. Today we're going to take a look at um, some over-under numbers that Jeff and I came up with on Tuesday's show. For Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and then me, Paul, and Lance will pick our over-unders for the season. We'll see how they turn out at the end of the year. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Another week
1: is in the books. Indeed, John. It's great to see us flip the calendar to June. Hopefully, we will get to July sooner rather than later, and then to August, and Maybe some NFL action, so uh, let's keep it moving.
0: Now, apparently, there was a bear loose in Detino's neighborhood during his walk today. Unfortunately, my plan did not work, and he was able to make it back in time for today's show. You, you didn't give him enough money to eat me. <laughs> there was actually apparently a bear in Detino's neighborhood, so uh, he walked yeah, faster than usual. Unfortunately, he wasn't hungry
1: enough this morning. No, was he was problem. not. No, yeah. or, no,
0: or fast enough for that matter. Yes, exactly.
1: There you go, John. You got it right.
2: Lance, how are you? I'm doing very well. Yes, it's nice to see the calendar move towards June. Also encouraging to see news that looks like the NFL is going to now slowly allow coaches back into the facility. So yet another sign of progress here in the summer.
0: Yeah, the the clock keeps ticking. More stuff keeps happening. Uh, Looks like the NBA is going to have a season at the end of July. We'll see about baseball. That just doesn't seem to be going in the right direction, unfortunately. But uh, hopefully, uh, as things move on here, life will have a chance to return to to some form of normalcy, at least in terms of the sports world, which I think everyone would be really happy about. So, guys, let's talk about it here. Jeff and I, and you guys don't know what these numbers are. I doubt you went back and listened to the show, so you're going to be surprised by these. So what Jeff and I did on Tuesday's show is that we went through Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley's years, and we came up. With over unders for what we thought were their most important stats, right? And okay. Jeff picked his over and unders for these particular numbers. I did not. So I figured today I can present those numbers to the two of you and we can go through them and pick over and under based on how we think the season's going to go. And of course, we'll do this in the context of discussing exactly what we think the Giants' offense is going to look like, which is still somewhat of a mystery since we still, unfortunately, have not seen uh, this offense on the field yet since none of the players have been to the facility since last January when none of these new coaches were even hired yet. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be an interesting exercise. All right, let's start with Daniel Jones. Paul, I will let you select the statistical category we can start with for Mr. Jones. Well, you probably would like to go to yardage first. I have no problem there. Okay, let's go yardage first. That's fine. Then we'll go completion percentage. Yardage first. Jeff and I said is over under for yardage at 3,950. 3,950. Paul,
1: you can lead us off here. I'm going to go under. I could see him going somewhere in the vicinity of 3,700. I don't think he's going to tickle 4,000, as you guys might have suggested. I do think there'll be uh, a lot more runs, and there'll be a lot more short passes, and hopefully even some more long passes to Saquon Barkley, which we really never got to see last year. We thought we would, but we really didn't see them. But nonetheless, I, I, I just think that the Giants are going to try to play more ball control, try to eat up some clock. Not necessarily have quick scores. I'm going to say that the number is going to be closer to 3,700. Lance, your
2: thoughts? I would agree with Paul. I'm going to go under as well. I think that they're going to look to set the tone on the ground initially. As Daniel Jones gets more comfortable with this offense, you also have to look at the fact that last year, and I understand it's a completely different offense, he had 3,027 yards, 13 games, okay, really 12 because he got in in late time in that first Dallas game. And By
0: the way, we did the numbers on that, that's 252 yards per game, and that Mm -hmm. would have averaged out to 4,036 for the season.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know that provides further context, and and once again, I don't think it's crazy to think that you know he can't get up to about thirty six hundred or thirty seven hundred when you tack on four full more games, maybe even more, maybe even thirty eight hundred. But I don't see him getting the over. I think it's much more likely that he gets the under. And as great as Dallas's passing game was. keep in mind, Dak Prescott only had one season where he had more than 3,900 passing yards. And he's been fairly consistent in his four years as that quarterback. So that, to me, is another reason why I think it's safe to say he'll finish under.
1: You know, Lance, to me, the easiest way for Jones to go over that number is if the Giants are not only trailing an awful lot during the course of the season, but that, you know, he is forced to go to the passing game a lot quicker and abandon the run you know, earlier in games, and I don't think the Giants really want to do that.
0: You know, Paul, and I think you hit it on the head, and that's why I'm going to go over here, and Jeff also went over, by the Mm -hmm. way, just FYI. I think that, to your point, I think if this season goes the way the Giants want it to, this will be under. Yes. I think it's their intentions to be a run-heavy team and not have to throw the ball 40 times a game, but I don't know if this defense will allow them to play that way as much as they want. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to be forced to throw the ball a lot in second halves of some of these games just to keep pace with opposing offenses. So that's why I'm going to go over here, not because of the way the Giants want to play, but because game flow will dictate it. And I think this is going to be close. I could see him coming up short of 4,000, even finish with like 3980. And just for the record here, I'll give you some of the numbers from last year. Last year in the NFL, there were 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11, 12 players, 12 quarterbacks that finished with more than 3,950 yards. Winston, Prescott, Goff, Rivers, Ryan, Wilson, Brady, Carr, Wentz, Mahomes, Rodgers, Garoppolo, and if Garoppolo can throw for more than three thousand nine hundred and fifty yards, I think Daniel Jones can too. So I'm going to go over for that reason.
1: Well, you remember, uh, John, Eli threw for over four thousand yards for half of the seasons in his career. Right. So you're you're not really reaching to suggest that they may have to do that. But I would I would definitely agree, as stated before. If everything goes according to their plan, he won't have to, but it is absolutely possible. Well, and here's the other thing. You know, you brought up, in all likelihood,
2: the Giants may be playing a lot of catch-up this season because of the unknown with their defense. Daniel Jones was already doing that this past season as a rookie. I mean, I just did the math real quickly. On average, he attempted 38 passes per game last season. That's if too you many. look at the fact that he had 459 attempts and through 12 starts, I mean, that's nearly 40. So even if you look at that trajectory from last season, I could still see him attempting 38, 39 passes a game, but he still could very well finish just under 3,900. So I agree with John. I think it's going to come close, but I'm still comfortable in saying it's going to be slightly under that.
0: All right, let's go to completion percentage because this points to efficiency, right, in Mm -hmm. the passing game, which I think is an important number. We set the over-under here. We had it at 64 flat, then we decided maybe that was a little bit high, so we put it at 63.5 for the year for him. 63.5. We should point out that last year, uh, Daniel Jones finished the season uh, with a 61.9% completion percentage. Lance, let's start with you here.
2: Wow, this is a tough one because, you know, this could really go in a variety of ways. I think a lot obviously has to do with the success of the running game, pass protection, so many different influences with respect to this. I will go with slightly under again, and I'll say probably I could see him finishing at like 62.9 if you want to be exact. I I think it's going to come very close. That is
0: very exact. Yeah.
2: Because I just feel this is going to be one of those seasons where you can't overlook the fact that he's learning a new offense again and there could be a learning curve and some ups and downs early. And also remember, limited on field work, having time to work with the receivers, some of the tight ends, building that chemistry. You know, I'm taking all of that into consideration. I get it. A bulk of the nucleus he worked with last season. But then again, these guys are going to be running different routes this season because it's a completely new scheme. So that's why I'm going to say slightly under as a result of all of that.
1: Well, you know, a lot of the passes he throws are going to wind up being uh, short to medium range, I think, to Barkley and to Ingram. And if you go back and look what the Cowboys did with Romo when Garrett was, was there, uh, Romo was over 65% in each of those seasons. So I'm going to say that he's going to be, that is Daniel Jones at 65 to 66%. I'm going to take the over here.
0: I'm going to go under, but I'm with Lance. This, to me, is going to be so close. I think he's going to be somewhere between 63.5 and 64.5. I think that's where he's going to land um, this year when it comes to completion percentage. It's going to be really, really tight. And I go both ways here because Garrett's offense is going to be a more vertical offense, right, which means more you know, downfield throws, traditionally there were fewer, Paul, and you know what I mean by this schemed-up, guaranteed easy throws, using rubber outs and stuff like that. So there'll be fewer of those, but I also think... You'll get some higher percentage throws like slants and short passes over the middle, which the Cowboys used a lot with Jason Witten and, you know, running slants to Des Bryant. I mean, you remember all these Cowboys-Giant games. They would run that slant to death against the Giants, and that's a high percentage throw. So I see this going both ways. I really do, but I will land with Lance. I think there's a better chance of it being under than over, but it would not surprise me either
1: way. You know, John, I think the part about your your thoughts there that, that kind of rankle me a bit is the thinking that Garrett threw so many longer passes when he was calling the plays in Dallas and that he would like to do it here. I don't think he's got the personnel to do it here right now. Until the Giants prove that they've got one of those kinds of guys. I mean, Slain has the speed to win deep, no? I, uh, consistently. He I mean, ran up you know, four high four threes, right? Look, it, it comes down to me, for me. If the Giants find out that either Slayton progresses to the next level and becomes one of those guys who can make large radius catches and 50-50 catches on a consistent basis, 17 and 18 yards downfield, absolutely positively. I'll tell you right now, if Toomer or if Burris or if Nicks are on this team, I would say you're 1,000% on board. I'm with you. Daniel Jones is going to throw a ton of passes downfield. And, and it's going to be that way. I don't see it right now. I'm still missing that component in that wide receiver room to make me believe. Well, the thing is,
2: when you do look at the personnel right now, I think a big piece of the strength is Yak yardage after the catch in terms of what Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate especially based on his track record in the NFL, and then Barkley if you use him as a receiver. So I'm with you there, Paul. I mean, I certainly think it's a fair point if you look on paper, but I don't think that means that Jason Garrett is just going to settle and say, well, you know, we may not have all the speedsters right on the team, so we're going to become predictable and just keep everything within that short yardage distance. I think he's still going to take his chances down the field. I also think another target guys down the field is Evan Ingram. I think if he could stay healthy, I don't see why you can't have him go vertical with his route running. That's another weapon in addition to Sladen. Remember, Blake Jarwin was a guy, sometimes they would move down the field in Dallas, and they would see whether or not he could cut up the defense down the field. So that's another person that's not necessarily a receiver Mm -hmm. that I think could be a component of the vertical attack this season.
1: That would be nice. Keep him on the field first. All
0: right, let's go to touchdowns here, guys. Jeff and I set this one at 30 and a half. 30 and a half. Last year, just so everybody understands it, uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants. Again, he only played in 12 games. He played in 13, but that was only a couple plays at the end, so we're not counting that. Uh, He threw 24, which is a real simple math problem there. That's two per game. Uh, I'm going to go over here. I'll lead us off to my point earlier. I think he's going to accumulate yards, I think he's going to accumulate touchdown passes. Uh, I think he will get the ball in the end zone enough. I think this offense will be productive. I think Daniel Jones will be a big part of that. So I'm going to go over 30.5.
1: Paul? Well, Eli Manning only hit 30 touchdown passes three times. Different era of football, though. You know that. Understood. But Kevin Gilbride was one who really did like to throw it downfield and go for the big play and throw it into the end zone. Uh, I got Daniel Jones at 28. Uh, I think he's going to be in the upper 20s, but I do not think he will touch 30.
2: I think this is another one that's very close, similar to completion percentage. I'll lean towards over, and it's not necessarily about the offense. It's about the necessity of what the team is going to have to do to John's point on offense. And I just feel if... Even if they're not playing catch-up, guys, okay? It's more of a matter of if these games are going to be high-scoring and the Giants, you assume, are going to be in a lot of shootouts this season because maybe they don't necessarily stop a lot of teams, but in order to stay within the hunt, they're going to continually go up and down the field. I think out of necessity... Daniel Jones will be faced with opportunities to get just slightly over 30. So this is more of a
1: necessity
2: number that I'm going to go Mm -hmm. with as opposed to the style and tempo of the
3: offense.
1: I don't think they want him to be over 30 because I think if they can get inside the 7 or even the 6-yard line, 5-yard line, They're going to want to force it in. That's what Colombo and Garrett are going to want to do. They're not going to go spread offense at the two-yard line, I don't think, and send five guys into the end zone and make him throw it in there. God willing, they'll just smash mouth it in and, and shove it down somebody's throat.
0: And by the way, that's passing touchdowns, that's not rushing and throwing combined. Just right. just, yeah. just, just, so everyone's on the same page because I think that'd be an easy over if you're including rushing and touchdowns. And the way they've
1: invested way. in the line too, I mean, my goodness, if, if they're not pounding it in and getting rushing touchdowns inside the five-yard line, something is very wrong. Alright, let's go to the two ones that might be the most important, guys. You saved them for
0: last. Uh, Lance, do you want to do fumbles or interceptions first? Oh boy, <laughs> you really had to go there. Paul, it's a huge Key to the season. Let's go, with, <laughs> Let's go with it. Right,
2: Let's go with fumbles.
0: All right, Lance. We set the over-under for fumbles oh. at 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Now, last year it has been well documented yes. that Daniel Jones led the league in fumbles. I think the final number is 28, right? I don't have it right in front of me. Well, no, moment. he had
2: 18, 18. and he and lost 11. 11. He Eighteen. Lost. Okay, that's right. Yeah.
0: 18 and lost 11 So we set it this year. At 12 and a half. Yeah, I was thinking a total
2: turnovers, or I'm sorry. So well, but here's the thing, half. though. I need a clarification. Is 12 and a half the amount of times he fumbles or the amount of times he loses no, the No, I fumble? do
0: not care about fumbles lost because that is out of the quarterback's control. I'm talking okay. about total number of fumbles, whether they are recovered by the Giants or not.
2: Well, I will say this. If the Giants want to turn a number of close games into Ws as opposed to Ls, they better hope that that number is below 12 and a half. So... But then again, this is not necessarily hope because hope is not a way you win football games. It's more of how things are going to play out. I do think with the Giants addressing the offensive line, getting younger, that that hopefully is encouraging for better pass protection. And hopefully the improvement to the rushing attack consistency will also prevent Daniel Jones from seeing more pressure. So if 18 was the number last year, is it crazy to think that he could get that down to... 11 or 10, let's say. Now remember, no. so, that
0: 18 was in 12 games. So you're looking at 1.5 per mm-hmm. game. To get under 12.5, that rate has to be cut literally in half, and it's not surprised that I set the number here, to 0. .75 per game.
2: So he would literally have to cut his fumble rate in half to beat this number. Well, the more and more you break it down with the analytics and the mathematics makes me think even more. So you know what? I will go slightly over. I do think the number is going to come down but that may be asking a lot to go completely in half. I could see the total being more in that 13 to 14 barometer All right. this season.
0: I'm going to go under here. Uh, I think fumbles can be fixed, even if you do get pressured a lot. I think Daniel Jones probably spent this entire offseason working on ball control more than anything else. I'm not saying he's going to have 6. He might have 12 on the dot or 11, but I think he will reduce
1: it enough where it will be under 12-and-a-half. Paul? I think it's going to be under. Uh, in fact, I'm going to say nine and a half would have been a really strange number for me to deal with because I think it's going to fall right between the 9-and-10 area. I do think he's going to be a lot better with processing, so he'll be quicker getting rid of the ball. And, and believe, by the way,
0: that is key to this whole thing, by no the way. No
1: question. And I also believe the line will be better, okay? And then on top of that, as I say, I— I really believe that the Giants are going to drop back their quarterback a lot less this year. That's the plan. Whether or not they're allowed to do that because of having to to climb uphill on the scoreboard is another story. But I'm going to say, for argument's sake, they'll be effective in running the kind of game plan they want to. Therefore, he'll be dropping back less. The number's going to be probably 9 or 10. I go under. All right, and then
0: interceptions. This is the other one. Jeff and I kind of wrangled with this number a little bit. We struggled with where we were going to put it. We landed on 13 and a half. Last year, there were seven quarterbacks that finished with more than 13 and a half interceptions. Uh, Jameis Winston, obviously. Baker Mayfield, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, Kyle Allen, Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton. Finishing with 13 on the dot. Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, and Deshaun Watson. And Kyler Murray, just for the record, finished with 12, which is exactly where Daniel Jones landed in interceptions last year with 12. Paul, why don't you lead us off on this one?
1: Well, I said 28 touchdown passes, and I'm figuring that he's going to go somewhere in the vicinity of 28-12, 28-13, So your 13-and-a-half number is really giving me a stomach ache. Oh, good. That's what I like to do. I love giving Paul stomach (laughs) aches. Yeah, especially at lunchtime. Uh, So I'm going to say he will slightly come in under and, and have 13 picks. Lance, what do you think? Well, remember, he also had those 12
2: interceptions in those 12 games. So you have to take into consideration yep. now you're going to give him four more games, more passing opportunities, more chances for the defense to capitalize. I'm going to go slightly over. I could see it being more in that 31-14 total, 31 touchdowns, 14 interceptions.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to have a better than a 2-1 to Um touchdown-to-interception ratio, which is what you're looking for. I said over 30 touchdowns, but to my point, I think he's going to get put in a lot of comeback situations. And, Paul, you know how it goes at the end of these games. Mm-hmm. you got to force yeah. balls sometimes. I know. So uh, I think he might run into some trouble with some of those. So I think he'll finish with Lance. I agree. Mean, I think he's going to be somewhere around like 32 touchdowns, 14 picks. So I'm going to go slightly over on that one.
1: And that's very fair because, look, if the Giants' season doesn't go as they would like it to go and they cannot use the game plans that they'd like to use each and every week and they're forced to just start chucking it and trying to play pinball football, then a number of these things that you've talked about, John, are clearly going to go over for him.
0: Now, Paul, here's my question, and we didn't actually address this with a number, but I'm just going to throw it out to you guys for fun. If the Giants want to win this year, how many total – Fumbles and interceptions. much Jones get below for the Giants to be successful this year? Has that to be under twenty? Well, Does but that define t-
2: successful though to me. Oh,
0: uh, you know, 500, seven okay. seven wins somewhere around there. Okay, but well, this let- way, but for them not to be put in a hole, Lance, where they have to make up for turnovers, which can be really really hard.
2: Well, I think I've thrown these numbers out because I've looked at them so closely over the last few months. 33 giveaways last season. Daniel Jones was responsible for 23 of them yeah. because he had 11 lost fumbles and 12 interceptions. So, my answer to you would be, clearly, they've got to get it down from 33 as a team. But, in fairness, Jones was responsible for the bulk of them. Now, the factors and environment around him influences Well, him. and
0: by the way, quarterbacks for all teams are responsible for turnovers more than any other player. That's just of the course, way it works.
2: Well, the ball is always in their hands on every single play. Mm -hmm. So there's no doubt about that. So if you're looking at 23 as the total from last year and you see how it was a minus 17 turnover differential, I would say Daniel Jones' total for the Giants to have success, you want to be in that 16 to 17 territory this season. That's where I would say he has to target in his head.
0: All right. I hear Paul heavily sighing as he contemplates the number here. Uh, oh, I will you, you, go, go ahead. I was just going to say under 20. Look, I think for a hit it not to completely hamstring the team, I think his number's got to be under 20. Combined fumbles, lost, and interceptions. And if you talk about fumbles total, even take the fumbles lost out of it, I think he's got to be around 20 for fumbles, total fumbles and interceptions for the team not to be seriously hamstrung by too many mistakes from that position.
1: See, to me, there are too many other factors that that are involved here. We're talking about, uh, I would say my inclination is to go that the fumbles lost and the picks have to total 20 or less. That's my inclination. But let's understand that, you know, Eli, on a number of his years, was victimized by a horrific number of drop passes which, quite frankly, third down drop passes are almost as bad as turnovers. Well, and
0: you have bad luck, balls get knocked yeah. up in you the have air, bad tipped luck. at the line,
1: all sure that sort of stuff. Sure you do. You have a mm-hmm. lot of those things. So, to be honest, you know, there were years, and we've discussed this how many times on this show, where Eli actually played well, his numbers were good, his production was good, but the rest of the team let him down, and they had a terrible record. So his... His touchdown-interception to ratio plus touchdown-to-fumble to, to ratio did not really equate to wins and losses, so I have a hard time with the question because I don't necessarily think that the the, the mechanics uh, kind of even up. So I, I'm going to go; it's got to be under 20 but I do have a problem with the actual mechanics of the, of the equation. Fair enough. All right, uh, I got a
0: call on the line, folks. We will get to Saquon Barkley later on the show, but we've had a caller that's been holding. I want to make sure we get to him on the line. At uh 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. Um, so let's get to that call. And again, you can send your questions to hashtag giants chat. I have seen one of those have popped up already from a G man fan 181. We will get to that question a little bit later on in the show. And also, if we have time, get to some of your questions submitted to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions let's go to our caller first caller you're on the line with Schmelk meadow and detino what's going on how are you what's your name where are you calling from
3: hey guys it's sean from california
0: sean what's up buddy how are you Hi. hey
3: what's up long time no talk yes. I just good to, to hear from you. you guys man i appreciate you all of you guys what you guys do you know you guys give us great content throughout the off season. i'm always listening always getting good information from you guys i like to just listen trying to play the background role, give other people a chance to call. But I was just calling today to tell you guys, man, I really appreciate it. you guys. do such an amazing job. And, you know, from Hawaii and living in California now and being a football fan and um, a Giants fan, living on the West Coast, um, I just love the fact that you guys are able to provide me with, with information and be able to just have a great program that you guys do. You guys all do wonderful work, and you guys are all deserving of of great great respect from all Giants fans because I can talk for all Giants fans when I can say I'm truly grateful to have a podcast like you guys, which brings me to my point. Um, I was just really calling to say that. Well, Sean, 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 real quick. Sean, real quick. Sean, real fast.
0: I I just want to say thank you to the listeners out there because we wouldn't be doing these and continuing to do them if we didn't have people listening to them. Uh, We were literally second in the NFL. Um, on the website and the mobile platform in terms of listens to our audio content. Only about 200 behind those damn Cowboys. But we were literally second in the yeah, league. And and and, 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 and 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 we would not be there if not for you and the other fans like you out there. So thank you to you guys. And most importantly, Sean, that.
1: your call has prevented Charlie from getting in on the line. <laughs> that, that is true. That yeah, that's is always true. Key. That is always a key. Yep.
3: I uh, just want to finish, the, uh, I'll, I'll take the answers off there. but I have two two questions real fast. Well, two actually, yeah, I, I, I think we could call it questions. The first one um, is, if you guys can, besides uh, Boikley and Jones, if you guys can all give your guys maybe like either your breakout player, if, it, if it's a rookie, uh, or a comeback season, if it's someone like Nate Soldier or maybe an undisputed pro bowler, for offensive to start of the ball. And then for defense the side of the ball, if I and maybe like your your player of the year for the team on offense and then on defense, excluding Berkeley and of course Jones or your yeah, Jones and Berkeley. And then my next question is, uh, to follow that one up, is is there any chance that maybe I don't know how it works with the coaching staff and the schedule and anything, anything like that, but is there any chance that maybe we can get like maybe current players on the on the podcast on the show? And then I'll take you guys our answers off the air, and I really appreciate you guys. You guys do an amazing job, and I'll speak to you guys later, and I'll be listening.
0: Hey, Sean, thank you very much for calling in, and uh, stay safe out there. We appreciate it. Uh, In terms of the players, we're going to hope – uh, you know it's tough we're not in the building so we're not seeing these guys really so getting them on has been difficult um, but you know people are really busy and frankly our time or my time specifically we gotta do everything through my setup is, is limited uh, daycare is not open yet it will be on June 15th hallelujah and that'll <laughs> give me more time to, to you know do and uh, you know I love my door to death but I, it, yes. it, it, it does not give me a lot of time to get work done so we hope next week actually to bank a bunch of interviews of players that you'll hear on the Giants Huddle podcast so make sure you, you tune into that and we'll get Get to those on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Your other question, Sean, was, was pretty broad, and I think those are good topics uh, we'll use for shows as we move forward in the next few weeks without a lot of news going on. So we don't want to completely burst our content bubble on that question, but if you guys want to give maybe either you know just one player that you think will be significant on either side of the ball in some way, shape, or form, a comeback player, or a surprise player, or a rookie player, or the MVP, however you want to attack this with one player on each side, Um you guys can pick
1: one side of the ball each and then, you know, just let me know what you think. I'll just give you one name. I really believe that Nate Solder is going to have a comeback season. I know the injury list that he has gone through and John, we're in the building every day with him. We know how much more he's been hurt than than the regular people have have, have been accustomed to learning about.
0: And Paul stuff he's going through off the field too, by the way.
1: uh, No question. Uh, You know, obviously everybody knows his son has has uh, cancer and has fought tremendous illnesses and has gone through so many different operations and different procedures and different treatments. Folks, there have been times where a soldier has had to be apart from the team for a day or two during the week to go up to Boston to see what he could do to help his family out and to support them and to do everything he possibly could, and then has to hustle back to the Giants so that he could get to practice and then try to prepare for a game. We're talking about incredibly difficult uh, situations for him, and then on top of that, he has had such a litany of injuries that you can't even imagine. I'm going to say, you know what, maybe this year things, God willing, will be better for the health of his family and that the injuries will not just pile up and bite him in the butt and he will be able to have a healthy season in quotes and and bounce back and perform much more like the Nate Solder that he wants to perform like.
0: Paul, I think that's a great answer. I think he is a key to the season too. Lance, what do you think?
1: Well, I'll throw out two guys, one on
2: offense, one on defense, who I think have potential to be comeback players of the year. Uh, Number one would be Ryan Connolly on defense. I, I think he showed some really nice flashes before, unfortunately, he tore his ACL. So this is somebody that could be a key component to the middle of Patrick Graham's defense as that versatile linebacker. Remember, he had two interceptions last season, and he only played in four games, and that still finished number two on the team, just to give you some perspective. (laughs) So that's a guy that I'm really intrigued to see upon his return. And another guy that I think people have completely forgot about because of the injury that occurred on the very first day of training camp, Corey Coleman. You know, we talked about this all off-season, guys, about, you know, who would be the third or more important, the fourth wide receiver. Well, Coleman is back on the team. Is this going to be a year that he stays healthy, and this is going to be a year that he proves you know, he could be a contributing factor? He has had some issues on and off the field throughout the course of his career. He's been with a number of teams, and the Giants provided him certainly that opportunity to hang with them. Now, to me, the ball's in his court. Can he stay healthy, and he could fully capitalize on that? So I'm going to be paying attention to Corey Coleman and Ryan Connolly. Those, I think, are two guys that fall very much under the radar. To me, I'm looking
0: at the young cornerbacks. Uh, I mean, and I don't think I have to pick one because I think it'd be foolish to do so. But somebody between DeAndre Baker, and we'll see what his availability is, uh, Sam Beal, and Corey Ballantyne is going to have to step up to be that second cornerback. And and by the way, throw Darnay Holmes in there and Grant Haley in the slot corner too. So two guys are going to have, and at least two, maybe three, are going to have to emerge as legitimate NFL starters at those positions because... It is impossible to win football games in this league if you can't cover at cornerback. You Mm -hmm. can't win. You just can't. It's impossible mm-hmm. now. You you just can't do it. There are too many. You saw it. There were twenty wide receivers that came out in the draft this year that were good. You could have another great draft <laughs> class last year with wide <laughs> receivers. there next year too. Exactly, a hundred percent. There are just too many good wide receivers. You have to be able to cover. If you cannot cover, you cannot win. I don't care how many sacks you get. If you can't cover, you can't win. So somebody from that group, or multiple people from that group, are going to have to set up, step up. Or, you know, if McKinney plays great and Peppers plays great and Bradbury plays great, none of that matters if those other two quarterbacks on the field can't
2: cover. So Well, you also need to it. look at, John, the speed in the division specifically. And that's going to put this secondary to the test, especially what the Cowboys and the Eagles are throwing out there. You you need to have guys that can cover because they have multiple wide receivers that can win those one-on-one battles or multiple wideouts that could take the short pass and take it 50 yards to the house. So that's why it goes to me without saying, Yeah, James Bradbury can maybe lock down one side, but he's not going to be responsible for what's going to happen on the opposite side.
0: Yeah, and we'll see what happens. And look, they have the talent to do it. They just have to, you know, Step up and do it. We'll see if they can. All right, we have another caller on the line. Uh, Again, folks, we're trying to get some new voices in there. We've gotten the regulars on a lot, and we love the regulars. They're great. We always welcome their calls, but we're trying to get a lot of new voices on. Uh, I know we haven't gotten back a lot of our other frequent callers since we came back. I know it's tough with the new number, 973-667-1960. Uh, we can't have multiple people on hold. There's a busy signal. can get tough to get through. I get that. But we're trying to get as many new voices on or some of our older voices that we haven't heard from for a while uh, on as much as we can. So let's go to our next caller. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from?
3: Hey, this
4: is John from Maine. Hey, John. Hi. What's up? Hi.
0: And you're exactly the type of person I'm talking about, John. Good to hear from you. How are you?
4: I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. I hope all of you guys are good. Thank you. We are. Um, I don't want to mention how well I think the Giants are going to do, but first I must say something I haven't said, I haven't heard on your show. What's that? I must commend Lance Meadow for such good example he shows in never pulling rank on his bold colleagues. A man with a world-class head of hair, and he he always holds it in.
0: Oh no, he doesn't. He he takes <laughs> shots at me all the time.
4: What are you talking about? You just I
0: haven't said anything
2: recently. I haven't You, you know why? Party, I'll man. tell you why, John. And and I appreciate the good words and, and you noting how well my hair is groomed <laughs> and so forth because I think it's a very overlooked feature that I want to throw out of myself as I look to well, pat Lance, myself on the so back. Well, you're so short, everything but, is overlooked. Well, that's very true, well, but by there's way, no I reason did. why we can't take this opportunity to continue to focus on my features. But I will say this, there, there is, there is John, I don't want to say jealousy, that's way too strong of a word, there is, though, a feel that John has right now an advantage where he hasn't really had to worry about his hair growing out and cutting it and not being oh, able to have it I groomed know. and, and work right. with a barber. I can cut So, myself. so that, that's a slight disadvantage that I'm trying to overcome <laughs> over the last few weeks. So John does have a slight edge over me in that he department. Knows. But when normalcy does return, he will no longer be able to hold that over my head, John, both
1: literally can, and figuratively. Can I come up to Maine and, and get a hold of your barber? Because down here, we can't get to the barbers yet.
4: <laughs> well, you can, give, you can make an appointment, but they do take your name and number just in case. <laughs> so uh, we're halfway there. What's your Giants question, John? Giant. One, like one little point may not be very relevant, but I, I think the Giants can make a big jump because I, I consider this the second year of the rebuild, not the third, because I think 2018 was such a— It
0: was a teardown.
4: It was a teardown out of a warm-body year, and there's hardly anybody left, really. That it has, it's, not, it's not like it's been three years. Oh, it's three years and nothing's happened. I think this is a year where we've picked up so many talented players, um, so many draft picks on defense and so on, that I wouldn't be surprised if they put it together with good coaching and made a big jump.
0: Well, John, look, I think this is when you need to start seeing the fruits of the Dave Gettleman draft start winning you games, right? Yep. It takes right. guys a couple years to get going here. But yep. it's the third year for Lorenzo Carter. It's the third year for B.J. Hill. Daniel Jones in his second year. Barkley in his third year. Slayton in his second year. Will Hernandez in his third year. Go down the list. You know, Dexter Lawrence. This is when these guys need to come into their own and be not just a part of the team, but the difference makers on the team. The guys that are so good, they win you football games. So, yeah, I agree. And, look, this is how. that's how I think we've always kind of characterized it. The first year was a teardown. The next, last year, you start to build, and then this year, you're not done with your build, but you're much deeper into it. So I think it is reasonable to to expect more progress this year given the three off-seasons that Dave Gettleman has had to try to build this roster, Paul, to where it is today.
1: Well, yeah, John, I think that the key factor here is that Daniel Jones is starting his second season as a starter and you and I both know, and, and and I know the giants felt this way. John Mara was clear about it early on during training camp last season. The idea was that the giants would be competitive, be in the playoff race into December. Eli Manning would have a terrific year. The giants would have a good year. And so Daniel Jones was never supposed to see the field in 2019. The fact that he did. Yes. It did hurt that they had a rookie quarterback in their last season. Their one-loss record did suffer some. I'm not going to pull any punches with that. But Daniel Jones is now all that much further along as he enters this season. So I think that also changed the equation just a little bit as you look at 2020.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, looks good to me. I'm always an optimist.
0: (laughs) Awesome, John. Appreciate the call, my friend.
4: You betcha. Thank you, buddy. Yep, there's
2: a lot of youth on this team, as the both of you referenced. And, you know, John, piggybacking off of your point, to me it's not so much about are these guys going to be X factors, these second- and third-year players. It's also are they going to be consistent, John? You know, that to me is another part of this equation. Are you going to get a player like Lorenzo Carter and you know what you're going to get out of him every single game? Are you going to see O'Shane Zimenez develop into a consistent playmaker, game in and game out? And Dexter Lawrence, and I could sit here and name the entire roster. It's not necessarily going to do any good, but consistency to me is just as important as are they going to be X factors and game changers? Because when you have young players, it's the old phrase of the learning curve. Sometimes you see them catch on quickly, and sometimes there's ups and downs. And the other element in this all is you've got the young players on offense learning a new offense. You've got the young players on defense learning a new defense. You're now adding that on top of what you're asking out of them to make a jump in yet another year of their development. This is not, once again, to build up an excuse. It's just the reality of the NFL. Stability is what provides teams the great chance of winning. And when you have year-in and year-out change, which, let's face it, the Giants have had to undergo, sometimes there's growing pains that come with that. So is stability going to be there is consistently consistency going to be there out of this young group that i think is also going to tell a lot about what the giants could do this year. You, you know
1: along the same lines lance what you're really saying is that they don't all of a sudden pick up six or seven pro bowl players in one off season and now have star power that can just go out there and make a difference on sunday the giants are a team that needs to have incremental improvement along a number of different positions on their roster and that's how they're going to have to to impact their one-loss record. Yeah, and to a, another point, just to what Lance was talking about, progress is not always
0: linear. You know, Baker yeah. Mayfield had a much better rookie year than he had a second year. You know, yeah. logically speaking, oh, he's supposed to get better, right? His second season. Well, it didn't work that way for him. And it doesn't work that way for players sometimes. You know, everyone talks about the quote-unquote sophomore slump. Well, I don't think it's so much a quote-unquote sophomore slump as to Lance's point, you know, Jones is playing in a a different offense. He's got a different coach. Uh, There's been no offseason. Factors around players change. So I think you put all that, you know, into the cauldron, and sometimes you don't know what's going to pop out. Like, do we know for sure that Darius Slayton is going to be better than he was as a rookie? No, we don't. We think he can, but do we know that for sure? No, we don't. I mean, B.J. Hill wasn't as disruptive in his second year as he was in his first you know, we didn't know that was going to happen. So it's different for every player. So you just want to see these guys, you know, continue to improve over a longer period of time, and you hope it, it, it helps improve this year. All right, we got another caller on the line. Let's get to him. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from?
5: Well, we have to continue the main contingent oh, here. Boy. No, Charlie.
0: no Charlie, we, Charlie, we don't, actually. Make it quick. Charlie, Charlie, literally, make- you're, you're on five shows in a row now. So, make it quick for no, me, okay? It's not Charlie, you pretty but... much do
2: not have a hobby. It's it's apparent. <laughs> it's crystal clear. You clearly <laughs> hey. don't have other hobbies.
5: Hey, guys, I'm loyal. I am a loyal listener. And we appreciate that.
2: But the key operating phrase is being a loyal listener as opposed to a loyal (laughs) caller. There's a distinct difference between the two. I want you to be a loyal listener, and you can report back to me on Twitter. I don't want you to be a loyal caller, okay? For the sake of my well-being and for the sake of every other loyal listener, let's have you fall in line with the rest of that pack. Troy, what's your question?
5: I had to call on my birthday. So oh, happy birthday for you, Charlie. Charlie.
1: Right. Happy birthday. Well, <laughs> well you're getting we up there in age. That's a good thing. Charlie, what number? Hey, uh, 71. Oh, really? Nice job. Wow. Bob Lertzema. Huh? Number 71. Bob Lertzema. Wow, so we
0: actually have somebody on the show that's actually close to Paul's age.
5: <laughs> I'm a old, lot <laughs> right older
0: That's
2: true, yeah. Somebody hey, that can uh, relate to only... Paul's time. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead,
5: Charlie. <laughs> the only thing I was going to say is, is that you're talking about uh, Daniel Jones is uh, you know over and under on interceptions and fumbles. Like you said, he only played 12 games and he had 18 fumbles. He only played 12 games and he had 12 interceptions. So he's going to be playing four more games. So I think it's going to be over. Well,
0: you know, obviously just, his rates have to go down, Charlie. That's the point.
5: Yeah, but you know that, and and I don't think you guys are counting the fumble that he had when he played in that Dallas game no, we are like three snaps. No, that's you a part of it. That's, that's part of the are. 18
2: fumbles. That's part of the 18 That fumbles. absolutely okay. is part okay. of the total. I just yeah. wanted to
5: make sure. All right, guys. Hey, look, have a great weekend, and I'll call you uh, next week. You too, Charlie. <laughs> Stay safe. Oh, we you. would
2: expect
0: it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, we, we had a good run there for a little while. Yeah. The same thing happened to me on Tuesday. It was at the end of the show, and I said to Jeff, you know, Jeff, and we had, had like three or four different calls, or all good calls. I go, Jeff, we've had some great calls. You know, today, it's been awesome. Let's go to our final caller, And lo and behold, it was just like <laughs> a perfect setup. And he goes, as Charlie actually comes on, he goes, ha, well, time to ruin your day. And I'll go, yeah, you, you are. You are ruining the day, Charlie. See, it's
2: that type of consistency oh. that we need to see on the playing field for some of the young players. All right. The consistency that Charlie showed.
0: Now, this is going to be a tough question to answer because of kind of where we are here and what we haven't been able to see, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, from gmanfan181, which is at BigMush75 on Twitter. Again, you can send your Twitter questions to hashtag GiantsChat. Which UDFA do you guys think has the best chance to make the team and even make an impact in their first year? He also adds, can we ban Charlie from being a Giants fan (laughs) if he keeps rooting against the Giants and calling DJ Mr. Fumbles? Uh, Sure, I'm okay with that. Um, As for the first part of the question... Paul, I hesitate to, to even make these predictions now because we haven't seen these guys on the field. Yes. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, their most highly regarded undrafted free agent is, is the receiver at an Ohio State, Mac. And I, so I guess I'd go with him since they didn't draft somebody. The other thing, too, you have to look at, guys, is that the Giants had four seventh-round picks. So it's almost like three of the guys they drafted are almost like undrafted free agents because they had four shots at it in the seventh round. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're picking almost from their UDFA list when they're picking in the seventh round in a lot of ways. So I don't think you're going to get more than one, maybe two UDFAs on the roster this year. That's just my thought, because they're going to try to keep those seventh-round picks. So that's kind of how I look at it. I don't think this will be a big year for that class.
1: Yeah, I think what you said there makes a lot of sense, John. Now, look, you know, ever since they they brought in Austin Mack, I have just been absolutely thrilled to have him because his college tape is exactly what the doctor ordered. He's the missing component to that wide receiver room. But as you know, every year I wait till rookie minicamp, and then I decide who is going to be my dark horse, undrafted rookie free agent for that season. The problem is I didn't get to see him. So all I'm working off of is college tape. The college tape says to me, Austin Mack is that guy. But I will tell you, somebody who's given me a lot of curiosity, and it's because of his kick-returning ability, that's Javon Leak, the running back out of Maryland. I really, really am curious to see if he winds up surprising people on special teams and winds up making an impact in that part of the game. But, but as it stands now, I'm going to go on record as saying Austin Mack would be my guy.
2: Keep in mind, guys, no undrafted free agents made the 53-man roster last season. I think part of that was because of what you brought up, John, the volume of late-round picks and the Giants wanting to obviously retain a number of those late-round picks, either between the practice squad or the 53-man roster. So I think that's going to present a challenge for this undrafted free agent group. That's number one. And number two, the limited on-field work, I think, is going to extremely hurt the chances because I think most teams, depending on how training camp plays out. If you don't have the same amount of time to evaluate this group, then you're probably going to lean on guys with the most experience to make your roster. I mean, that to me doesn't take brain surgery to figure out. You're going to go with the known commodities. So, you know, that's something that we can't just overlook. The other player that I'll just throw out only because of intrigue and need for the team you guys both keep mentioning Mack, but there's another Ohio State wide receiver, Benjamin Victor, and Victor is different from everybody else because he's six four. so I think he brings something a little bit different to the table that the Giants, you can argue, may not currently have in the receiving core if they want that bigger frame, red zone type of target that we always talk about. He would be somebody else that I would at least keep close tabs on, plus he also comes from, like I said, a big-time program against big-time competition in Ohio State.
0: Yep, I think that's fair. All right, we got another caller. Caller, you're on the line, 973-667-1960. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
4: Hi, this is Scott from New Mexico. Hey, Scott. Hi. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this very quick so you can get another caller on. Uh, I listened to your conversation about Daniel Jones, and I thought it was uh, spot on. But one of the things I wanted to ask you just very quickly, uh, I think his season is going to be predicated on the health of two individuals, uh, Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. Either one has proved to be uh, a stalwart for a state on the field for a whole year. And if they're off the field, does that impact Daniel Jones and sure the does. Giants in general? Uh, and will it be predicated on what kind of season they have? And, and have a nice weekend. Hey, guys. you too,
0: Bye. Scott. Thanks for the call. Good point. Um, yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think that's huge. And throw Saquon Barkley into the mix, too. Who I was one year where we got hurt. But if he's on the field, that's going to impact the quarterback too. And you know, remember, this is a receiving core, guys that does not have that "quote unquote" number one guy that's going to be a potential all pro. But you have mm-hmm. a bunch of you know guys that are good. So if you miss out and you lose Evan Ingram, who's a big matchup problem for teams, and you miss out and you lose Sterling Shepard, who's a very reliable, great slot possession type receiver, that's going to be hard to overcome. So yeah, look, I think I think Scott made a good point.
1: Yeah, and quite frankly, John, and you guys are certainly welcome to disagree, I think if the Giants were to lose Evan Ingram to injury again – I think Caden Smith is going to do a fine job if asked to step in as the number one receiving tight end. Yeah, but he he isn't a mismatch guy, though. You know what I mean? Not a mismatch guy, but I think he will put up some very competent numbers, and the Giants would not necessarily be crippled as much as if Tate or Sterling Shepard go down, that wide receiving core is suddenly taking on a lot of water. Well, I would agree with your second point. The fact that I
2: do think if Evan goes down, I would be confident that Caden Smith's going to be consistent and certainly be a contributing factor in the receiving core. However, I also agree with John. There is a distinct difference in terms of if you're a defense, what you're concerned about with Caden Smith on the field versus what Evan brings to the field. And I don't think the same explosiveness is there and the big vertical threat is there. So Caden could fill a void. And you could have a consistent tight end who you know can give you six catches, 65, 70 yards. I think you can certainly get that out of Caden Smith. But I do think there's much more of a threat that Evan brings to the table. And I do think that impacts the dynamics of the offense. Here's the other thing that we can't forget about what happened last season. It wasn't so much the injuries to those particular players that Scott, the caller, mentioned. It was also the fact that when you look back at last season you didn't really have that core on the field at the same time because yep. it felt like when Evan got hurt, then somebody else came No, back. Lance,
0: Lance. There was never a game yeah. where Barkley, Correct.
2: Ingram, Shepard, Tate, and Slane mm-hmm. all played yeah, in the same exactly. game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not once. So, you know, that to me is another reason why, yeah, of course this group needs to stay healthy because you don't want to have to do a piecemeal routine again next season. And you want to be able to say, Daniel Jones has all these components on the field simultaneously, and you're actually putting a challenge and pressure on the opposing defense. So, you know, to me, it's not so much focusing on one individual. It's can they get seven or eight games at least half the season where you have everybody on the field at the same time? That, to me, is a more important question.
1: Hey, John, by the way, Mm -hmm. kind of merging the last two questions together, and, and he's really a deep, dark horse because he was only on the practice squad last year. But when you talk about this receiving core, I have a lot of curiosity about David Sills. He just doesn't have the great speed you're looking for. He does not. He does not. He's more like a Joe Jovicich's type. Yes, I think okay? that's a really
0: good comparison actually.
1: But but this is a guy who at 6'3" has a radius, has a wingspan, was incredibly productive at West Virginia. Okay, we're not talking about like a Division 3 program. We're talking a, a a D1, a D1 program at, at you know with the Mountaineers. Yep. And There's a part of me that says, you know what, I wonder with the pressure fresh air, new coordinator, new coaching staff, you know, I'm just wondering if if he gets a legit shot, if he might not be somebody we're overlooking.
0: All right, I'm going to close down the phones. Let's try to get to these Barkley over-unders guys before we say goodbye, okay? Um, We should be able to get through them. There's only about six of them, and we got about ten minutes here. So, all right. Um, rushing yards, guys. Again, we did our Daniel Jones over-unders to start the show. Here are the ones that Jeff and I came up on Tuesday's show uh, for Saquon Barkley. We'll put his rushing yards at 1,450. 1,450.
2: Gentlemen, we'll start with you, Lance. Over or under? I'm going to go under here. I do think the Giants are going to try to emphasize the run, but, I mean, even if you go back to Saquon's dynamic rookie season, he had 1,300 just over that. 1307 to be exact. I think there's still a lot of unknown. Remember, there's young offensive linemen. I understand everybody's optimistic, and you hope the offensive line improves, and I get all of that, but I also think they're going to try to involve Saquon as a receiver here or there to give that insurance policy to Daniel Jones, so I think he'll have a, certainly an opportunity if he stays healthy to get over 1,000, get over 1,100, 1,200, I think is doable. Getting over
1: 1,400, that to me, I think is pushing it a little too much. Paul? You see, this again goes back to will the Giants be able to execute the plan that they want to or the plan that they're forced to use? If they do what they want to, Barkley will run for 1,500 yards this year, and I will go over. If it goes the other way and they're forced to play catch-up all the time week in and week out, he will go under. I'm going to go over
0: here, Paul. I know maybe this is contrary to my Jones take, but I think they will run it enough, and – I don't think this will be much of a timeshare situation, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think if you go back to what Jason Garrett did in Dallas and you look at Ezekiel Elliott's numbers, I don't see why Saquon can't be in the same neighborhood Zeke has been in over the first few years of his career. So uh, for that reason, I'm going to go over. And for the same reason, and I'll go to the next category here, of number of carries. I put it at 300 flat. I'm going over. Again, if you look at how the Cowboys use Ezekiel Elliott, he was over 300 every year, I think. Elliott will be, I think, Saquon will be over 300 Mm -hmm. this year. And if he gets the 300 carries, I think he's definitely getting the 1,450 yards. That's why I'm going over for both.
1: Paul? I totally concur. And, you know, we had an opportunity, John, to talk to John Kitna on this show. Lance, you talked to him on Sirius. And if you believe anything about what he said, uh, referring to Jason Garrett's offense and Colombo's offensive line, you'd have to pick over on both of these numbers.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with you guys. I'm going to go over. I, I think 300 carries over that is certainly doable. As you pointed out, John, Zeke was the consistent carrier for the Cowboys. Tony Pollard last season barely saw the field as his backup. I think Deion Lewis is more of a change of pace guy, but not a big bruiser that they're going to give a lot of carries to. So there is no threat to Saquon. He stays healthy. There's no reason why he can't get over 300. right, let's go to receptions. Um, I
0: put the number at 66 and you know what? So it's not a draw. Let me make it 66 and a half for receptions this year. I'm going to go under. I think there are so many targets here in the passing game, he's not going to be in a position where he gets a billion dump-offs.
2: I think he'll be above 60, but I think he'll be below 66 and a half. Uh, Lance, how about you? Well, Zeke was not a huge receiver in their game, though the last two seasons he's had over 70, so they did slowly involve him more and more, but I would lean with you, John. I think it's going to be slightly under. I think they're going to find ways to spread the wealth. And I don't think Saquon's always going to be the primary target. And here's the other thing. If the offensive line improves, which it needs to, and the running game has more success... You're not going to want Saquon Barkley to be that constant dump-off machine because if he is the constant dump-off machine, that to me means that in all likelihood, the protection is not where it should be. I agree. So I don't think you want to see that number over 65 because that means that he's more of an insurance policy as opposed to a true playmaker
1: or at least the number one option on that play calling sheet. Paul? It's funny, John, because the number for me would have been 65. (laughs) So I guess that actually puts him a shade under what you just said, right? Yep. Okay, so I will go under. All right, and then you go
0: to yards, and I think this is interesting because I do think, and I had this conversation last year with you guys, that I thought he'd get fewer catches than his rookie year, but his yards per catch will be much higher. Yes. Um, And I think I probably made this number too high, but I'll go with it anyway. Uh, We went with 600 receiving yards on the year uh, for Barkley. Um, if he's going to get under 65 catches, I think it's going to be under sixty-six and a half. I think it's going to be tough for him to get to 600
1: receiving yards,
0: so mm-hmm. I'm going to go under for this. Paul?
1: Yeah, I could see him going somewhere in between eight and nine yards a catch, so I will go under uh, as well. Uh, I easily could be somewhere in the vicinity of even 550, but I think 600 is asking a lot. I think he's going to come close, but I would lean towards
2: under as well. And it goes back to my rationale from my last explanation – if Saquon is going to get high receiving yards, I don't think it's going to be because that is a big part of the game plan. It's more of because, unfortunately, other things are not working the way that they anticipated within the offense. So I think if you want to talk about success and the Giants' offense being consistent, you do not want to see Saquon Barkley in that 700 or higher territory. So therefore, I'll go under.
0: All right, rushing touchdowns. We put
2: the over-under at 11.5. 11.5. Lance, let's start with you. I'm going to go under. I know that Paul brought up the fact that if they're within the five-yard line, they're going to constantly hand it off to Saquon. But I also would not remove from the dialogue Daniel Jones also trying to throw it and spread the wealth a little bit. So I could see Saquon getting to double digits, but I'll hold off at 10 as opposed to going under.
1: Paulie? Isn't it funny you came Over, up with 11.5 because Zeke Elliott had a 15 and he had a 12, and his other two years he was under 10. So I could see Saquon having, let's say, 11 or 12, and you had to go 11 and a half. Uh, So I will go 11. I'll say it's under. But, uh, you know, that's a really tenuous number right there. Yeah,
0: I'm on the fence here. I do think there's a chance the Giants might find a short yardage back at some point. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to take Saquon off the field, you know, he's a guy that dances a little bit. So maybe you don't want him doing the short yardage stuff. So, take that consideration. I think Daniel Jones will be used on quarterback sneaks throughout the year in, you know, goal to go situations if you're inside the one. Yeah. So, put all that together. uh, I could easily see him getting 12 or 13, and that would not surprise me one bit. But uh, I'm with you. I'm going to go under. So, maybe I made these last couple too high because we're all going under on these. But oh well. Um, Receiving touchdowns. I put it at three and a half. Three and a half. Uh, Lance, why do we start with you on this one? Yeah,
2: I'm going to go under again. I could see him actually getting exactly three. So here's my philosophy. I think, and you brought up the fact that Daniel Jones could have a few rushing touchdowns. That also is why I think Saquon's receiving touchdowns could be limited. Because if you look at Dak Prescott, by the way, Dak, every single season, and this is right in line with what we're talking about, Dak always finished with more rushing touchdowns than Zeke had receiving touchdowns. So I think that trend is going to continue to play out. I think Daniel Jones has more opportunities for more rushing touchdowns than Saquon has receiving touchdowns.
1: I think three I'll go under. Paul? Lance, you're making a lot of sense on your argument there, and quite honestly... Which I I always do, but go ahead. oh, Oh, okay. I do also think that if Barkley's going to be close to the end zone, he's going to be getting it on running plays, not necessarily throwing it in there. So if he's going to have a receiving touchdown, it's going to have to come from outside you know, inside the 10. It's going to have to be from from a distance. So I will go under as well.
0: Yeah, and he can he can turn those screens into touchdowns, though. I mean, can. it can happen. They might he use can. them on wheel routes. It can happen, but I don't think it'll be common. Uh, so I'm going to go under um, on that as well. And I did not ask Fegels this one, but much like the Jones question, I'll put it to you guys. Uh, give me scrimmage yards. How many scrimmage yards do you think Barkley's going to have this year? Mm. <laughs> I have it at 20.50. That was my prediction. Wow. I'll
1: go.
0: <laughs> I'll go twenty two hundred. Whoa, that's a big one. Okay, so he comes just short of uh, Tiki's
2: record. Yes. I'll go twenty forty five.
0: <laughs> all right, what are your prices? Writing me there, yeah, Meadow. That's exactly. Please come doing. on,
2: man. <laughs> 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 well, wait, you said to be exact, so there you go. I'm giving you my exact number: twenty forty five. Paul went twenty
0: two hundred. I went twenty fifty. I did not ask Jeff this, so I will have to get that answer from another time. And Lance was prices righted me, and he went twenty forty five. All right, guys, good stuff. Always fun. Um, enjoy uh, what should be a good weather weekend. My understanding is that the rain should get out of our area, and maybe we can all get outside and uh. Enjoy some nice spring weather this weekend.
1: That would be fun. Sounds like a plan. All
0: right, guys, stay safe. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. And, of course, you can find the archive of all of our podcasts on both those platforms, but also on all your favorite podcast platform. Just find us and search for Big Blue Kickoff Live. And for all of our podcast offerings on the Giants podcast network, please go to Giants.com slash podcast. For Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino, I'm Schmelk. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Adios, stay safe.